Welcome to Radio Finance, the podcast that helps you understand the transformative developments taking place in the world today. Today is going to be an exciting day celebrating all of your achievements. And while we cannot be together face to face, we can certainly feel your warmth and excitement for this afternoon's events. To kick things off, ladies and gentlemen, please help me to welcome on stage um, the member of the International Council of Advisors for the Asian Banker, Mr. Matthew Welch, as well as Mr. Fu Ping, Managing Editor of the Asian Banker. Gentlemen, please take it away. Okay. Thank you, Shamu, for getting off us to a great start. And uh, both Matthew and I are very uh, happy to be co-hosting this program that also incorporates the annual uh, heads of retail finance and uh, dialogue and award ceremony uh, uh, 2021. Good afternoon. Uh, it has been more than a year since the pandemic struck and created unprecedented global mayhem. We hope you are continuing to keep safe through this extraordinary times. Despite the disruption, the retail financial services industries in the Middle East and Africa have proven to be extremely resilient. This is a strong testament of the measures taken by governments, businesses, and people across the region to keep safe, as well as the relief given to the economy, especially to small and medium enterprises that have been hit hard. This year, we received over 490 submissions from more than 280 banks and non-bank retail financial service players across 24 markets in Asia, the Middle East, and Africa, vying for 61 awards in five categories. Today, we will be recognizing the achievements of institutions in the Middle East and Africa. Since last year, we've invested in our digital consumer feedback channel, bankquality.com, to survey customers on their engagement, experience, and satisfaction with their main retail banks and how you have helped your customers during the pandemic. We incorporate these customer-derived bank quality net promoter ratings into the winner evaluation and selection. Therefore, award winners can be assured that this year's results and rankings are a true reflection of the voice of the customers. We also collate substantial benchmarking data on the operations and performance of the industry in the course of the program. Our senior research manager for the Middle East, Namir Kassi, will be sharing key findings and learnings in the awards briefing a little bit later. Each year, it is harder to pick the winners as the competition hits up, and you have all been very aggressively pursuing your digital reinvention agenda and initiatives. In the aftermath of the pandemic, there has already been a rethink of the pace and effect of digitalization and of their impact on consumers, businesses, and supply chains. Despite not being able to travel as we are all so used to doing, we have seen global e-commerce take off in a big way. The digital economy has truly arrived. The financial system has also accelerated its digital transformation and the adoption of online and remote transactions. And as part of the annual heads of retail and tech dialogue later, we'll discuss the challenges that leaders face in achieving sustainable growth post-pandemic and how to compete in the current waves of uncertainties, how your institutions are redefining leadership in the digital world and navigating ways to build strategies to deliver stronger and more resilient operations. This year um, marks the 20th anniversary of the Excellence Programme. 
For the last two decades, the Asian banker has been the industry-defining body in recognizing every year players that demonstrate exceptional excellence in retail financial services in the Asia Pacific, the Middle East and Africa. It's arguably the most rigorous, prestigious and transparent awards program for consumer financial services in the world. We continue to make every effort to ensure that the excellence program remains so. In the process, we've captured very significant shifts in consumers' adoption of digital and contactless transactions, as well as e-commerce and e-payments. We can also attest to the resilience and the agility of the industry to respond to this change in behavior and in the operating environment. Many of you have had to expedite your original digital transformation roadmap as a result, and you've been rewarded with record number of customers who've opened online accounts and transacted with you digitally. You've also played a critical role in helping your respective government's effort to bring financial assistance and relief to individuals and small and medium businesses, thereby preserving lives and livelihoods. In the midst of historical low interest rates and margins, you've also pivoted to increasing your fee earning capability to offset the drop in income, especially in wealth management, no doubt buoyed by some fairly exuberant capital market actions in tech and new growth stocks. You've also leveraged open API banking technology and industry partnership to build ecosystem platforms to connect businesses with consumers, thereby broadening your reach by embedding finance into this e-commerce supply and value chains. You are more than ever collaborating rather than blindly competing with each other. At the same time, you also face the new demands of consumers and governments who want you to operate on a more sustainable basis to take into consideration not just the way you do business, but with whom you do business. Amid the evolving landscape, we'll continue to track, evaluate and calibrate your journey to transform yourselves into more competitive and sustainable digital players. We will now start the Heads of Retail Finance and Financial Technology Dialogue. We are excited to have heads of retail finance and tech from across the region to discuss the future of the industry as this new dawn breaks in retail finance. How to win in this transformed landscape? How are you making the transition to a new hyper-digitalized post-COVID-19 era? And we will debate the best strategy to lead and win in a digital first world. We want to explore how you're making the change to be fully functioning digital players and to equip yourselves with the right strategies and capabilities to win. The retail financial services landscape is very different from what it was even just a couple of years ago, pre-COVID. Factors such as economic uncertainty, developments of new regulations, technological disruption, and the ultimate race to meet customer expectations are pushing you to rethink, reimagine, and redefine your business model and priorities and creating new ecosystem platforms. Retail financial institutions continue to defend your market position and franchise strength through the cultivation of e-platforms as digital strategy is reoriented from simple customer onboarding to one of engagement making it all the more critical in these uncertain times. 
the disruption from fintech players and platform providers reverberates across the industry as new ecosystems are formed and distinct competitive advantages realized through the application of emerging technologies. So these are the key areas that we'd like to discuss with you. One, payments transformation. Payments is being commoditized and destroyed. The payments business is being destroyed. How are you rethinking the business? Two, wealth management. With the rise of asset prices and the emergence of new asset classes, such as crypto and digital assets, how are you democratizing it for retail investors? Three, we want to discuss COVID year two. This is the second year of the pandemic. How is it different from the first year? What kind of impact is it having so far? And how are you responding to it? I mentioned earlier that we, we may get uh, uh, Emmanuel Daniel to say a few things. Toto, uh, so, so it's with great pleasure that we want to invite uh, uh, Emmanuel to yeah, share with us some of, some of your thoughts on uh, some, some of the topics that we'll be discussing today. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, very good to, very, very pleased to see so many of you uh, live on this um, in this meeting. Greetings to you from uh, Beijing, China. Uh, I actually have been living here since uh, October last year. Uh, I, you know, just for you, I always like to show uh, the view from uh, from where I live, uh, which is uh, this is the east side of the city, and uh, it's very interesting. And it's a lovely day. Don't don't believe any of the rumors you hear about. Uh, about uh, the, the pollution in China. There is no pollution anymore. Uh, it's just amazing how they have a problem. Uh, and then over a 10 year period, they, uh, they solve it. Uh, and today China has become the largest uh, um, market for carbon tokens uh, as they get their own uh, energy corporations to, uh, to trade um, their, their carbon relief. Um, there are uh, and one of the main reasons for being uh, here in China uh, is um, to take a global view uh, of uh, many of the transformational issues that are shaping the future. Uh, some of it is uh, geopolitical. Um, please allow me to contribute a few thoughts to this conversation so that uh, we can have a very strong uh, feedback from each of you who are represented uh, in this meeting today. Um, from China, I'm able to see a number of things. So the first thing is the geopolitical um, um, you know, challenges that we find uh, without taking, you know, without being uh, dogmatic about you know, any one view. And it's very important for us to always have an open mind. Um, you know, uh, the US is totally capable of uh, responding to the challenges that it faces. Uh, so we should not underestimate the US. But even from China, I can see uh, the views coming out of Africa uh, in terms of the confidence uh, and the ability of emerging markets uh, to build their own future. Uh, and I think that uh, for good or for bad, uh, there are a number of things that we can learn about economic development, uh, about um, you know, managing uh, transitions from a controlled economy to an open economy. Um, uh, you know, there's a number of things that we can learn uh, from uh, how China evolved over time. And they paid a huge price to, to getting to where they are. But from here, uh, and I have a number of African friends here in Beijing, uh, you know, th there is a lot of confidence uh, in emerging markets uh, to be able to build their own future. 
Uh, in the last one year, I, in the area of payments, as Fu Bunping mentioned, uh, the big transition that I've been trying to wrap uh, in my mind uh, is this transition to platforms, uh, to cashless. And of course, all of us know that China is way ahead on the game. Uh, I do not carry a wallet when I, uh, when I go out uh, you know, and, and do my daily work. Uh, everything is on the phone. Uh, and yet, uh, from that vantage point, I am, I'm actually speaking uh, to new payment players. Uh, a very good friend of mine, Jocelyn Chal Chal Chalwa uh, from, uh, from Lebanon, her son, Mark, uh, started something called uh, Sawa, I think, uh, payments, uh, Sawa payments in Dubai. Uh, and then I've spoken to players in, uh, in Kenya, in Ghana, uh, and in Nigeria, uh, who are uh, fintechs or financial technology companies pioneering new payment um, initiatives. Um, the simple thing about everything you need to understand about payments, um, you know, and I know that central banks today complicate the issue uh, in terms of trying to introduce uh, uh, central bank digital currency, CBDCs, another initiative that China seemed to be, uh, have taken a lead. Um, I think the first premise about payments that we need to understand, which the fintech players, the financial technology companies are telling us, is that the whole cost proposition or the cost structure of payments has collapsed. The whole uh, revenue uh, proposition for payments has collapsed. Um, and the only way that uh, old-time payment players such as uh, Visa and MasterCard are able to even generate revenue is some on other products like credit, like marketing, uh, loyalties and uh, loyalty points and, 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 and you know, the value added aspect of payments. But the basic uh, payments transmission uh, structure has totally collapsed. And so in various African countries now, I'm speaking to new players who are trying to recreate the revenue proposition around payments. And I think that traditional banks are faced with this as a competition. When you look at some of them, it may seem like they are not making money, uh, but uh, they are still discovering, um, you know, how where the new revenue proposition will be, and sometimes the the the, the succeeding players, the players who succeed in this, you'd find them in Southeast Asia. Uh, you have companies like Grab, which is which started as a ride-hailing company, just like uh, um, Uber is, um, except that Grab is represented across 14 countries, 140 million. Uh, customers uh, in ride hailing. Uh, and right there, you have a cross-border payments platform ready to be uh, implemented, uh, except that 14 regulators will not let them do that. You know? And then the regulators come around and say, oh, we should create uh, interconnectivity uh, you know, between um, our different regulation, regulatory regimes and so on. And then you find very complex um, you know, blockchain-based uh, CBDC initiatives uh, being pioneered by regulators. Uh, just when you think that these are just the two fronts, two phases of uh, payments, um, you know, there is another aspect of payments uh, being driven, uh, which is uh, the the transformation that's coming to us from cryptocurrencies. Now, the 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 news, the good news, the great news about cryptocurrencies. It's not that Bitcoin is going back to 50,000 or maybe 100,000. That's not where the news is. The news is that because of Ethereum and, and Tezos and Polkadot and Solana, uh, there's great interoperability being 
generated around cryptocurrencies um, from uh, the blockchain community around the world. In your respective countries, you will find small communities of blockchain enthusiasts uh, working at interoperability at, at a fraction of the cost at which the central banks are working at. So these are some of the challenges uh, that we, uh, or rather these are some of the transformational topics uh, that, are, uh, that are, are shaping the future of the industry. Um, I am personally not involved in the award process. The award programs that we run, they are uh, predicated on, the, uh, on, on our standard methodology, which has a scorecard, which is displayed on our website. And we have junior researchers uh, who, the junior researchers who, who, who interview you and take stock of what, uh, 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 take stock uh, of the transformations uh, that you are going through. Okay, that is the run of the mill, run of the course type of interviews. Okay, what I spend my time on is look at transformational, uh, um, you know, um, technologies and trans transformational issues that are shaping the world. In fact, this evening, uh, after this call, I'll be speaking to a payments pay player in Germany who is going to be pioneering, or he's just one of several perhaps, pioneering the use of QR code uh, to make, uh, to, to make uh, or to take Germany from cash uh, to, uh, to digital payments um, you know, um, as, as much as he can. So Germany is starting on a journey that, that, that started in China uh, in 2010. Uh, you know, now, when you look at these players, don't underestimate them because uh, they are value proposition. I hate the word proposition, but what I'm saying that the value that they create uh, may well not be in the revenue generated for payments or the capturing of the deposit base, but on something totally different. Um, in that same way, I, I think uh, by just talking about payments alone, I've covered a different, several different angles. Uh, wealth management. We have a uh, we have a new program called uh, Wealth and Society, which is very strongly um, you know um, uh, predicated around um, a lot of impact investment and even climate change. Uh, agendas that are shaping the whole world, not just finance. Uh, and I think finance uh, is now um, building its own roadmap uh, in, in uh, identifying how it is going to be part of the process of moving away from capitalism uh, to something that is sustainable. And I think that there are lots of uh, good projects in Africa that eventually uh, should be showcased and uh, we want to showcase them. Okay, uh, two more points. Uh, one is very quickly, um, my book is coming out soon in November. It's called The Winning Bank. Uh, some of the thoughts that I've just uh, described to you, I'll be, I'll be um, you know, covering in, in that book. Uh, and, and the final thought that I want to uh, leave you with is that, uh, which actually is in the book, um, that financial inclusion is a lie. Remember I said that first, okay? Financial inclusion is a lie. Uh, the reason is, with all the technology that is being thrown at finance today, there is no way in the world uh, finance is going to get cheaper. Okay, uh, The whole idea of financial inclusion is a phrase that is borrowed from the platform industry. Yeah? And, and the idea is to onboard as many people as possible in the same way that Facebook and LinkedIn and Google tries to onboard billions of people onto platforms and then to charge them money, to charge them subscriptions, to charge them fees. 
There is no example of cheap credit for the poor anywhere in the world, okay, right now. In fact, as soon as they're onboarded, the venture capitalists and make sure that the, the kind of rates that we charge the poor uh, is still usury, okay? Now, um, I'm, I'm throwing this uh, idea into this ring uh, in order to challenge you all to think broader, think bigger, think more transformational, okay? And the answers for building the best financial institution in the future uh, may well not be in what you're doing right now. Uh, it may be outside that, okay? So these are my thoughts for you to you from Beijing, China. Um, you know, and uh, it's very interesting um, to get a view of what everybody is doing from here. Thank you, uh, Evie, Emmanuel. Ask a question yeah. from someone in Africa. Yes, yes. So, yes. We so very, very, very interesting points there on financial inclusion uh, and payment service is, is perhaps one of the very fundamental services uh, that is uh, needed by the uh, underbank underserved. The ability to receive, okay. Uh, uh, and to also make payments. Thank you, uh, Evie, Emmanuel. Ask a question yeah. from someone in Africa. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. We have so, very, very interesting points there on financial inclusion. Uh, and payment service is, is perhaps one of the very fundamental services uh, that is uh, needed by the uh, underbank underserved. The ability to receive, okay. Uh, uh, and to also make payments. Thank you, uh, Evie, Emmanuel. Ask a question yeah. from someone in Africa. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. We have so, very, very interesting points there on financial inclusion. Uh, and payment service is, is perhaps one of the very fundamental services uh, that is uh, needed by the uh, underbank underserved. The ability to receive, okay, uh, uh, and to also make payments. So on uh, World Bank Rate and obviously the rise of capital markets and emergence of new assets, obviously we, we continue to expand on... Um, we continue to expand our wealth management platform and uh, last year we uh, launched our signature uh, uh, fund which, uh, which is basically the CIO's technical asset allocation. I know cryptocurrency is a little bit new for banks and uh, currently we are not advising on it, but it's something we, we have on our radar and uh, we're looking forward. Another area of opportunities around the ESG, uh, ESG uh, environment and uh, how we can actually work towards making more sustainable investments for our customers. Uh, something we're working on and developing and it's emerging and obviously we've got to make sure that the customer journey is as seamless and as uh, easy as possible to make sure you are able to deliver the best customer experience, make sure from a suitability perspective, customers get what they receive from their risk appetite perspective or uh, risk uh, rating perspective and uh, Overall, it's been a very good journey for us, and uh, we're looking at more and more development in this space as an area for further opportunity and growth. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much, indeed, Mr. Hardy from uh, Emirates NBD. Would you like to comment on this, this second question of uh, wealth management? Are, are you able to offer that to your clients at APSA in Mauritius? So we're starting, but it is highly regulated here. So we have uh, new guidelines. We have just come uh, come up from the central bank. We are busy currently um, 
trying to do the assessment with respect to um, what we are offering and what we are asked to offer. Uh, obviously, this is a space where us as APSA, we want to play. And more and more, we are seeing high net worth individuals choosing to come in our country uh, to live and to settle here. Um, therefore, we have to have a, a solid proposition for our customers. And we also want, obviously, to make um, uh, wealth management products more democrat democratized so that it can be made available to yeah, uh, made available to a wider audience and obviously go digital. Excellent. Thank you. A couple of interesting points you make there, Marie-Christine. The one is that everything we try and do in banking, we always have to manage through the regulator. I think that's a, that's a key point. Of course, the other thing in the, in the context of Mauritius, but I think it's generally true, is as we see the margins collapse in traditional products like payments, it's all the more important that we move into the, the newer products uh, like wealth management to find other uh, wallets, other profit pools, so to speak. Thank you very much. Wealth management, what are we trying to do in wealth management? See, on the wealth management side, the main thing that uh, the banks need to look at it. There, are, there is a segment of customers uh, who will all who do not have the wherewithals. They have the investment money, but they don't have the, uh, what do you say, affordability to uh, afford expensive wealth management uh, relationship managers and all. So this is a focus area that banks need to concentrate on them because these are the guys who will, in the future, basically move up the ladder and become more profitable to you also. But how you address this using technology is what one should start looking at. Uh, banks around the world have started looking at it by they're using the de uh, deploying technology like uh, the uh, AI driven uh, bots and all those things to give some advice to these customers. That is helpful. Yes, that is definitely helpful. This will bring in initially these, this will bring in the customers to your bank. But as you progress, how you basically make the customer stick around to you, this is what needs to be thought about by the banks very clearly. Uh, how do you offer services to the customer and make sure that they can stick around and have a longer relationship with you and basically turn uh, into profitable customers for you? That's how you should be uh, devising a strategy on wealth management. Indeed, it's also using technology to lower the cost to serve, isn't it? Yeah. Especially into those different uh, segments. If we can get Mr. Boma uh, Ramala, from a uh, director of retail banking at CRDB Bank, about your thoughts on uh, providing wealth management services to kind of a, a more mass market segment. How do you democratize wealth management for the retail customers using technology as well as new assets that have uh, become available. Thank you once again for bringing me on board in this specific uh, event. Um, from our thinking in Tanzania, I think trading on alternative asset uh, classes is currently unregulated, but I'm really happy to say that few uh, months ago, our president has actually uh, challenged our central bank to see how best they can fast track an initiative and put the necessary uh, regulations. 
to support um, these uh, digital uh, and the cryptocurrencies uh, within uh, Tanzania. And on retail banking side, um, we have done uh, a number of digital payment platform uh, which has been deployed. And this does not only uh, include the bank side, but also online platform offered by Dar es Salaam Stock Exchange uh, mm -hmm. to accommodate retail investors uh, able to partake the domestic security market, uh, which is largely dominated by stock and bonds, that is treasury and uh, corporate bonds. So I'm sure uh, in the next this, um, in the upcoming next few months, I think we'll have the right uh, regulation that will really allow us uh, to participate more on wealth management, especially on the crypto and the digital asset. Do we have Mr. Al Abdullah, commercial bank? Yes, I'm here. Thank you. Would you like to give us your comments on what's going on with respect to how banks are changing their approach to wealth management, uh, how digitization is is helping that, or indeed on the on the earlier question of what we do in in payments. Um, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you all for having me today. Um, obviously, I mean one of the th you can say there's an upside of COVID that that has uh, allowed us to accelerate on. Um, digitalizing almost all aspects of our banking system. Um, I, I would give you an example of that the commercial bank has done in the last few years is, is that um, they have anticipated um, kind of the jump that's gonna happen from traditional branching to, uh, um, to uh, digital uh, system and mobile apps. Obviously, um, as, as we go on, um, um, we're targeting the millennium uh, COVID is, I mean, it just was one aspect that actually accelerated the process. Although the plan was there, however, um, we managed to actually accommodate and uh, cope with, with the situation that happened recently. In general, in Qatar, um, and like similar in some of the other parts of the world, there are part of regulators where actually they tend to have uh, uh, their issues with moving so fast. However, our central bank been very open to uh, suggestions and ideas. Hence, we managed to actually uh, come up with a lot of uh, services that is kind of unique, uh, not only in Qatar, but uh, in, in general in the region. I mean, for instance, we have uh, created this uh, uh, cross-border remittance where you can transfer to many countries in less, literally less than 60 seconds, you will get your your actually um, your uh, credit SMS before you actually get your debit SMS or notification. That shows you how actually um, things has improved and um, accelerated since then. Um, as far as wealth management, obviously this is a tricky one because again, there's a lot of regulation across it. However, there has been a lot of investment um, and Qatar being one of the wealthier, um, uh, wealthy countries in, in the region, um, there's a big opportunities to actually capitalize and emerge from it. Um, however, I think um, a couple of colleagues has mentioned this, there's um, expenses involved and how to digitalize it obviously comes with a lot of, uh, uh, um, I would say sacrifice because uh, 
Um, a, you, you need to have um, your regulator on your side approving things like um, um, uh, no more wet signatories and no more uh, um, uh, visitation or face-to-face -face in the branches, um, whether that's going to be acceptable. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, tend to be a challenge in, uh, across this region in, in particular. Um, but uh, investment, uh, nevertheless, uh, and uh, we have invested, sorry, uh, nevertheless, in, in the technology to ensure that we are equipped to what's coming uh, on the, in the future and we're ready for it. Our system supports it. Uh, and I'm personally, or we're uh, seeing um, this is our moving very fast. Like I said, it's just a matter of time. Um, our, our population are, is young and the next generation will not accept anything that um, less than having all of his uh, and or her um, 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 uh, business or features and their and, and palm of their hand and their mobile basically. So, yeah. So yeah. this is what's uh, well, that's what's going to happen, whether we like it or not. And uh, we're we are moving accordingly, and we're anticipating what's going on. Uh, and so is uh, so are the rest of the banks here in Qatar. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Abdullah from Commercial Bank in Qatar. Um, I think, uh, in the interest of time, we should probably move now to question three, um, which is: uh, This is the second year of the pandemic. Uh, and then I remember last year we all said COVID's been a fantastic accelerant. I mean, it's a terrible thing, but the, the good side of it, it's been an accelerant of digitization. Um, but how is this second year different from year one? What kind of impact is it having so far and it, how are you responding to it? So I think for that question, we should probably ask uh, Mr. Dennis Izaga, uh, from FCMB. This is the second year of, um, of COVID. Um, how are things changing in the second year of COVID? Are you reacting differently or is it more of the same? Are we, are we getting more accustomed? Um, well, to I think um, the, the changes that um, COVID brought, we are leveraged on it. Um, particularly, um, we see a bit of an uptake in the use of um, digital channels for banking transactions, you know, ranging from payment, lending, um, committing engagement, you know, and um, all of this now begin to um, grow at faster rate than they were before COVID. And so what we are seeing is um, some form of um, isolation, you know, pushing product across um, the various channels. You know, um, for example, if you looked at the growth we are seeing around our payment channels, you know, it's going at much faster rate. Um, mm -hmm. We also see, see the lending to the digital channel have is grown at pace the uh, manual approach, you know, and um, even coming to um, the cost to income ratios, we are beginning to see an improvement. Even as a bank, we now begin to think maybe, you know, in terms of um, expectation in the future, perhaps 30% of our staff will permanently work from home. So there have been a lot of um, adjustment that, um, that um, COVID has brought in that's going to be around for a while. And um, so in terms of general business um, in Nigeria here, and I think the restrictions are pretty much very minimal, 
you know, and um, a lot of the informal sectors and the businesses have almost gone back to their pre-COVID level. You know, it's pretty much up over the large corporate enterprises. You see a bit of those restrictions. But however, like I said, the new introductions that came with COVID, you know, seems like things have been with us for a longer time. And we are taking advantage of that, you know, um, to support our customers, to get them to change, you know, their mode of distribution, their mode of, of um, sales and things like that. So for example, we have a business zone, which is an online community uh, and also a marketplace, you know, and also a place where we provide um, training opportunity on a monthly basis, we train close to 3,000 SMEs on that platforms, you know, um, we have um, close to a thousand different courses they go there to attend, and they have access to various um, support services, and then they can showcase their product. And our digital lending product, um, we do almost close to seventy percent um, um, lending to channels, to electronic channels, thirty percent yeah. loans. Now it's done through a digital channel, you know. So, um, particularly, most they on the writing bit, particularly. So. Um, so right now, um, what we see, COVID has helped us, you know, and expand our digital footprint, you know, and the things that we had planned to do in five years, and we found out they were able to do them within two years. So for me, um, why the COVID had, you know, has some disruptions in the early days, but those disruptions have provided new opportunities, you know, and... Um, and I think it's something that um, we are also working our customer, bringing in um, a lot of customer educations to make sure that we are at the same um, level. And, and ultimately, I think it's going to benefit both the bank and the customers generally. So, so COVID in terms of um, business handling being that a big a issue. The other areas that we expected to have gotten a hit was probably the loan losses, but uh, interestingly, we didn't see that many loan losses, you know, as a result of um, COVID as well. Maybe they'll happen in the future, but so far, uh, we haven't seen too many of that. Uh, maybe because there are some yes. concessions they are giving in terms of restructuring. Okay, thank you very much indeed, George. And, and good to hear that uh, digitization is working well also in Nigeria. Yeah, I think maybe we'll get uh, one final response. Yeah, that maybe we can that. ask Mr. Manish Garg from, uh, Manish Garg from ADCB. The banks uh, started investing heavily, uh, I would say, since 2018, and the focus was into digitalization. Uh, we have touched every area of the bank where we, we wanted to provide the best or the most superior service to our customers uh, by digitalizing most of the processes where the customers would like would have to visit the bank. So we, we, we as a team in the bank, started... Uh, uh, running multiple journeys, uh, trying to make them as frictionless, as seamless, as STP as possible. So there were many initiatives, uh, for example, all the product offerings, uh, right from the account opening journeys to the credit card journeys to the loan journeys. Uh, there was a big focus. There were squads which were set up and we, we eventually, actually, we can now say that most of the places we are 100% STP. Then we also tackle the self-service, uh, the customer maintenance journeys where the customers would have to call the bank or call the contact center for putting up the service request and then wait for a couple of days before they can be actioned. Uh, there were some of the service requests in regards to where customers would request some letters or uh, NOCs. 
which were kind of very painful. So we have come up with some digital uh, innovations there where the customers are really happy. And we see, as we see, the, the progress has been made and we are taking uh, further steps to fully digitalize the bank, uh, adopting new technologies, adopting the cloud in a big way. Uh, so there are plans and you will see a lot of new products and services that would be coming out from ADCB stack very, very soon. Uh, hopefully, uh, there will be big announcements at the end of this year where we have new products in line which will be announced in the market. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Garg from uh, ADCB. Thank you for listening to Radio Finance. For more content, visit the Asian Banker website and follow us on social media.